Welcome into the Esports Network podcast, talking about anything and everything related to esports. Of course, the industry at large, from executives to the local marketing gigs that they have going on around here. Maybe you want to talk about a player, an event, something that happened within the esports industry that kind of blew everybody's socks off, like Tim the Tatman signing with Complexity Gaming. Or you would just want to talk to somebody who is involved at a lower level, kind of working with fitness, working with students, working with those little aspects that we don't think about on a day-to-day basis. Here to help me talk about that, let's welcome in Landon Gorbenko. He is the head of mental, mental performance and gaming at FitGamer. Also an esports instructor at Keanu College. Of course, working hard there, I'm assuming, in, in Fort McMurray. So, Landon, thank you for coming out and kind of giving us uh, your perspective and your little corner of the world all the way up in Fort Mac. Yeah, you bet. It, it is definitely a small corner up here in Fort Mac, but uh, it's at least a tight community, That's which is kind of nice. Hey, you know, sometimes the, the big fish in a small pond mentality works really well, and that is probably a good small, pal- small pond to get started in. So that's, that's, a, that's a, that speaks a lot for you, right? More like a puddle. <laughs> <laughs> Fair I mean, it's, it's interesting going from Toronto, 6 million people, to Fort McMurray, which is a puddle. <laughs> what, what is that, like 14,000 people up there or something? 60. We got 60. Oh, so, so uh, sorry. I'm so sorry to the to the, uh, <laughs> the extra 45,000 people I forgot. Um, yeah. In case you don't know, Fit Gamer, of course, they kind of help uh, using technology kind of helps bridge that access between fitness and gaming and kind of brings it to the forefront for gamers. Um, of course, Fit Gamer also, you, you help uh, a lot of the performance trainings around what, Cloud9 and a few other esports organizations like that. And obviously, Keanu College out of Fort McMurray uh, investing heavily in esports if you're kind of uh, at that forefront of their investment. So uh, you, you've been on a, a quite a journey to get to where you are now. So let's start with a little bit of the background of you. You know, like where'd you, where do you exactly go to school to become the head of mental performance in gaming? How does that, that schooling work? Did you kind of like you're in high school and you're like kind of like you know what I want to be uh, the head of mental performance in gaming for an esports uh, related thing and that's how you just kind of rolled with it. Not even not even a little <laughs> bit. It was um, for lack of better words, it was a lot of RNG. Um, I actually so I grew up as a gamer, like I've always been a gamer, and mm-hmm. anybody that's ever heard me talk has probably heard this story before. But I always joke that I could game before I could walk because it's such a central theme to my life, and um, all the way from like RuneScape to WoW to COD to Halo to League of Legends, you know, you name it. <clears throat> Um, coming through my teen years and exiting my teen years, I developed a lot of um, bad habits, I guess is a good way of saying it, where I was uh, extremely overweight, lacked social skills, kind of the whole gambit in that front. And I wanted to do something and change my life a little bit. <clears throat> and so what I ended up doing is I went down the road of getting a degree in psychology. And at that point, I didn't yet know that I was coming back in esports, but I was still in love with esports. Mm-hmm. Um, spent the weekends watching whatever games Ron played all the time, whatever it might be. Nearing the end of my my bachelor's degree in psychology, I was like, oh, maybe maybe there is a world where I get into esports. Um, <clears throat> and so I started talking with a lot of different people in the industry, not in esports specifically, but in like the psych world and the different kinds of jobs that are available in psychology. And I came across this lady in Calgary who I was chatting with. She's an old family friend. That's how I, I came across her and uh, sat down with her to talk about her job. And she works as mental performance for a lot of Canadian Olympians and other sports. And I immediately fell in love with what she did. And I became because I, I had this extremely mm. deep competitive drive and fascination with like what makes humans tick. Like, how do we how do we get to that top level? Uh, so I already had that in me when she told me about her job. I was like, this is what I was looking for. Uh, I then went ahead and got my master's at, at the University of Edinburgh in performance psychology uh, with the intent of bringing it back into the industry. And so while I was over there doing my research, doing my uh, education and my training, my master's program, 
I focused a lot on esports, and so I sat down with my my uh, supervisor one day, and I was getting kind of nervous because he's like a, a <laughs> rugby, cricket, race car kind of guy, you know, like very traditional heavy sport. And I sat down, I was like, "What would you say if I was to focus my masters around esports?" <laughs> and, and, like I was, I was ready for some backlash. Like that, yeah, that's not an actual thing. Like do something on like soccer, or football, and then just do that later. Um, much to my surprise, he was like, yeah, cool, do it, go for it. Uh, and so my first, my first research report I, I did in my master's program was actually a case study on Bjergsen digging into how does this 17 year old Dane, um, have a really rough childhood, then become the icon of North American league of legends. Pretty cool case study to do. So did that and then did research on, uh, just overall performance in esports. What does it take to get to the pros? What's it like to be the pros? What does mental fatigue in esports look like? What does burnout look like? And all those kinds of things. And I did all that with the intent of coming back into the esport industry, or not even coming back into the esport industry, but starting my journey in esports uh, with with two primary focuses being one being changing the way the next generation of gamers approaches gaming because I want to prevent a lot of the things that I went through, uh, like that that really that massive weight gain, uh, the mental health struggles, the social anxiety, etc. I want to help prevent those things from happening to the next generation. And then the second prong of that was. Um, what makes the elites tick and how do we recreate that? How do we make the next Bjergsen? How do we make the next Faker? How do we, how do we design training so that this happens for more people? And so those were the two aspects. And so, um, kind of a long story, but degree in psych, masters in sport and performance psychology. And then I brought that back into esports to try and change the way that we work with gamers. For sure. So you're lowering that barrier of entry for a lot of amateur gamers as well and and you, i think you're doing a great job at it just so you know uh we're doing a video conference right now and so obviously uh landon is is a handsome man he is not overweight right now he's he's great looking ladies he's is he available i'm assuming he's available no yes maybe he's not <laughs> <laughs> out of luck out of luck man i want true love is legal <laughs> legends and so i'm sorry no, i'm just kidding i'm just kidding <laughs> perfect so obviously you mentioned you could you could gain before you could walk where was this kind of what i mean where does this desire to play games come from for you? I mean, obviously it started in childhood. Yeah. What was like one of the first memories you had growing up playing games was on the old, the old game boy brick you had, or was it maybe something a oh, little bit more advanced? Boy, <laughs> was it ever the game boy brick? Uh, I actually, I can, I can pinpoint my reason for falling in love with games. It wasn't like a, a, a singular event, but I know the exact reason why I fell in with in love with gaming. And, I am the youngest out of all my family by a large margin. I think uh, mm. my family was very tight growing up. So like all the cousins, all my siblings, everybody would get together every single weekend and we'd spend a lot of family time just because that's kind of like the prairie mentality, right? Mm -hmm. Like everybody gets together. <laughs> uh, and so I grew up with my family, but I was the youngest by like 10 years. And so when I was like four or five, I was, I was born in 92 when I was like four or five or whatever it might be. Every, all my cousins were in their teen years and, um, the NES was where it all started with them. So they had the NES. They then as like 2001 rolled around, they all got the Xbox. And obviously with that, you get Halo. And so yep. I grew up watching them all play games and have a really good time. And so because I was young and I wanted to connect with my cousins and my my family, like gaming becomes so, <laughs> so important to me. And so they've all stopped playing games for the most part. But because I was so like so enthralled by watching them and wanting to connect with them, I think from a very early age, I was just the passion was just put in me and it never died out. I never, there's never been a point in my life where I was like, uh, maybe I don't like gaming anymore. Never been a point in my entire life. Um, and it's funny, like I remember 
one of my cousins when he upgraded from the NES, so I think it was the Xbox. Because there, there's not as much of a window there as people might think. That yeah. seems like a big jump from NES to the Xbox. <laughs> it's really not. <laughs> there's not as much of a window there as people think. Um, he gave me his old NES, and so I had it in my house. And um, I remember my mom not being too pumped about video games at that point, so she would put the the NES in her closet so that I couldn't oh, play it all the man. time. And I remember sneaking into the closet, stealing the NES, then plugging it into our small little box TV, and then playing specifically my two favorite games growing up was Mega Man 2 and then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. Uh, and so I'd sneak in and play those two games constantly, and I was absolutely in love with it. So uh, not like one specific thing that I remember, but I can absolutely pinpoint why I love gaming. Perfect, perfect. I mean, it, it imprinted on you at an early age. It kind of just didn't stop affecting you for the longest time, which, you know, a lot of us has, have the same thing. I think I have, I have a similar story somewhere where I probably picked up uh, an old Game Boy brick and played Legend of Zelda for five or six hours at, you know, at a time, and that was probably my first experience with it. So I, I, I can totally empathize with you. Yeah. And so you go from becoming obviously uh, the, the gamer childhood into a bit of a weight gain into this college where you, you kind of focus more on psychology and, and mental performance into fit gamer. So how did that transition from, I guess, the end of your master's program to joining fit gamer go? What was that transition period like for you? <laughs> it was one of the most miserable times I, I can imagine. Um, the journey into esports was, I think, one of the most difficult things I've ever had to do. Like, losing weight was easy. Figuring yeah. out my mental health was easy. <laughs> Figuring out how to get into esports was one of the most brutal things mm. I've ever gone through. Um, and so I came out of my master's, and I was, uh, I don't want to say arrogant, but like misinformed. Uh, what's the right word? Ignorant? Ignorance. Go. Word I was ignorant of what was needed <laughs> to get into the industry. And so I came in, I moved back from, from Edinburgh, which is in Scotland. I uh, moved back to my home city of Calgary. Uh, quickly realized that esports didn't exist in Alberta at that time. And <clears throat> for anybody that is listening that doesn't know Alberta, it's, it's a very kind of like cowboy province, I yep. suppose. And so it's, it's, it's old school. At least it was. Uh, and so I had to make a really, really tough decision of if I want to do esports, I have to leave. And so mm-hmm. I, I pretty much boarded a flight, flew to Toronto uh, and started pursuing esports. And I, in my head, I was like, OK, I've, I've got the masters. I've got the gaming knowledge. <clears throat> I'm pretty good at, at some games like I'm diamond in League of Legends, mm-hmm. not anywhere near pro, but it's good enough to, you know, know what I'm talking about. Exactly. So I've got all these things. So it shouldn't be too hard to get a job, right? <laughs> wow, was it tough? Um, I learned that very rapidly, and I was trying to get to like these big organizations, like whether it was Enthusiast, Luminosity, Overactive, um, trying to do remote work with big teams in the States, in LA or Germany or whatever it might be. Couldn't get anything, and so mm. I quickly realized that if I wanted to go big, I needed two things. If I wanted to get jobs, I needed two things. I needed to build out a network of people that I know so mm. that my name is coming up in conversation. And then I also have to build up a reputation. So I need a network and a reputation. And, and through those two things, how am I going to do that? Get work experience, do some volunteer work, take phone calls with people, do all these kinds of things. And um, I did that for probably two years. And uh, what a lot of people might not know is I actually had to bartend at night just so I could pay bills and <laughs> oh do goodness. stuff. And like It was brutal. I was volunteering all throughout the day, then going out bartending late at night so I could pay bills. And, um, but truthfully, I was very, very dead set on getting into the industry, so it was worthwhile in the end. And um, the reason why I said a lot of it is kind of RNG is 
I did not plan to be with Fit Gamer or Keanu at any point. They both happened because I did that. Like I built the network and I built the reputation and then they kind of fell in my lap in a sense. And so that's why I said it was a little bit RNG is because I got very, very lucky. Um, but at the same time, I, I put in the the years of, of hard work in order to become lucky. Uh, and so the transition period from my masters to things like Fit Gamer and Keanu was very, very slow uh very brutal uh but it got me where i wanted to be and now i'm i'm super excited i i know it's a cliche but you know the saying like there's no such thing as luck it's just opportunity meets, meets preparation that's that's all it is that's all it is the, that op- is. That's, the opportunities that's came up to you it. and then it just kind of you were prepared you you you, you once it came to you you're just like yes and you could you, you had that opportunity to say that and it's, it's great like i mean again same story for me for the, for the most part i mean very similar i mean i didn't lo- go out looking for these these positions within esports it kind of just happened because i i connected i networked and people kind of built a reputation and it kind of it works out that way that's, that's kind of some, yeah. sometimes it doesn't require you know filling out a dozen applications sometimes it's just as simple as talking to people in the industry and having them recognize what you do and that kind of happens to form your own little path there but that's exactly it i mean so so you mentioned earlier that your family kind of moved on from gaming after you kind of uh grew up out of the adolescence and so what was their reaction when they heard that oh well well landon's working on on some fit gamer what is that he's he's some esports instructor out in fort mac what's going on here like what, what was i guess the support system reaction between your family friends siblings whoever <clears throat> i i it's funny because I, I because of the pandemic, I haven't seen my cousins for about two years, and I've been with Fit Gamer for just over a year now. So I haven't actually seen them since I've been at Fit Gamer, which so I don't actually I don't know the reaction yet. <laughs> I'm gonna find out this Christmas, and then I'll I'll send you a text message be like, "This is what they said." Um, <laughs> but no, it's it's funny because I'll talk to my mom, and my mom my mom has been unbelievably supportive within the industry. Like there's mm. there's been nobody that's pushed me harder than her, uh, and not pushed in a bad way, but like just supported me. But the interesting thing is that she had no idea what it was, but she just she knew it was what I wanted and I was busting my ass for it. And so she just kept on like pushing me to continue and continue to continue and continue. And now that now that I have a great position with Fit Game, I have a great position with the college, I have a, a fairly well-known name in the Canadian ecosystem. I, I was talking to her the I think it was last week or two weeks ago. And I was like, when you talk to people and you tell them what I do, how do you explain it? She's like. I don't know how to explain it. I just say that you do something in this industry called esports and you help teams get better. <laughs> and I go, yeah, I mean, that sums it up. That's that's about it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this, despite her not fully understanding what the industry was, un, unrelenting support has been very nice. That's awesome. That's awesome here. You know, Sometimes you hear stories of professional players who like end up getting kicked out of their house or something like that. But for uh, for a lot of people, it's like, well, you know, supportive parents kind of serve the backbone of us pushing forward. That's the motivation, right? For for a lot of us, kind of like keep keep moving forward. Your mom's like, you know what? You can get, you can make a name for yourself here. Keep going, and it's all it takes. A little conversation like that keeps you going. Yeah. And for some people, yeah. it's getting kicked out of the house. It's it's kind of facing uh, adversity, and that kind of pushes them forward. But I'm yeah. you know, I'm glad here was that wasn't the case for you. So that that's good to hear. And so, I mean, at one point, so obviously you're bartending, you're kind of volunteering during the day. And I'm assuming this Fit Gamer came out, the, the, the opportunity for Fit Gamer and the opportunity for Keanu College came out. It was that kind of like the, the tipping point where you realize, like, 
I could I could really make a living doing these things. I just I just I, I didn't realize that it was this lucrative or it was this you know sustainable. What what point did it reach for you? Where you're like, you know what? I'm 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 in I'm in the career that I like. I like this. What point did it hit you? Um, it was way before I even made it. Mm-hmm. Quotations made. Yeah. It. For, if you can't see the video, I'm doing quotation marks. Here. <laughs> um, it was way before that I made it. Then I made it. That I realized that there's nothing. There's nothing that motivated me more to continue grinding it out with those like brutal hours. Um, then the passion or knowing that it was going to be all worth it in the end. I didn't know when or where or how, but like, I, I knew that way before I got with Ficky Mercchiano that this industry was worthwhile pursuing. Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to think of like a, a, a point at which, cause coming into it, like I said, I was a little bit ignorant that mm-hmm. I thought that I was going to get a job. I didn't understand the industry. And so I think in terms of the progression, I started out very, very hopeful that hope was dashed very quick. And then some point after that dash, I think I think the hopes are coming back in and I'm a very optimistic guy in general. And mm-hmm. so I would every tiny little opportunity, I was like, this is the one. This is it. Like I'd call up my my, my mom and be like, I think I'm, I think this is it. I think we finally got the the move forward. I think I'm finally going to crack the industry and it'd crash and burn. And then I would get another opportunity and then it'd crash and burn. And <clears throat> I can't even count how many times that happened, but it happened a lot. And at one point I was thinking to myself, I was like, I have to stop getting myself excited because it's always a disappointment. And so I was trying to calm myself down so that when opportunities come, I don't get hyped up. And then I, I was sitting there one day um, <clears throat> and I realized, I was like, no, I, I need to get hyped up. Like, even if the opportunity doesn't work out, it's the excitement that it could work out. That's what drives me in this industry. Like, I need, even if it doesn't work out, I have to get myself excited and mm-hmm. think that this is the one. Because the moment that I stop thinking that I can crack into the industry is the moment that I'm going to have to change careers. And so... I don't know at what point I really got that enthusiasm or that hope or that optimism that I'm going to make the industry or that it's going to be profitable or sustainable or whatever it might be. I don't know where that was, but I do know that every small opportunity, I got very excited, like uh, unreasonably excited. <laughs> uh, and that excitement is, I think, what kept me going after every failure that we had is because it's just the failures couldn't match to my excitement. Um and so, yeah, like I said, I don't, I never, I never understood or knew how or when or why or where or how these things were going to play out in the end. I just knew that if I continue to do this, I will eventually find something. And I did, which is nice. And one of my goals, actually, mm-hmm. one of my goals early on, and this is something I just set for myself, and this is kind of like me taking my, the advice I give to players, but applying to my own own life. I, I took goals and I, I set them. I was like, I need to achieve this. I'm not going to aim for a job per se, but I'm going to set all these little goals and I'm going to try and nail these little goals. And if I'm nailing these little goals, a job will eventually come. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually just tweeted something out the other day that said, uh, what was the exact wording winning isn't isn't the objective it's the consequence and so that's the same mm. kind of thing that i think about um getting a job in esports is getting a job isn't the objective it's the consequence of doing the right things um and i don't remember where i was going with that story now but <laughs> well, oh yeah so i had i set one, myself one small particular goal of being i want to know so many people or i want to talk to so many people that when I, that I talk to enough and know enough people that when they're talking to other people and they say, oh yeah, I just chat with Len, the other person responds with, oh yeah, I chat with him a month ago or whatever. I want, I want there to be like people starting to recognize my name when they're in conversation with each other. That was the goal because I knew if, if that was starting to happen, 
then at some point an opportunity would come to me because enough people would know me. Uh, so that was kind of like one of my small goals. It was that. So, I mean, they don't call it a grind for for no reason, obviously. It's a, it's a grind because you have to work at it. You have to continually kind of chip away at the, at the block that is whatever obstacles are in your way. But you make it through. You get this job offer from, from Fit Game or this opportunity. I don't know if it was an offer. I'm not sure how that went. But talk me through that process. Like, how did who reached out to who? How did this come about, this opportunity with Fit Gamer come about for you? And what were your initial kind of thoughts about accepting that position with them? Uh, yeah, so this this I'll, I'll walk you down the RNG yeah, path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I do a lot of LinkedIn-ing. I don't know if that's a yeah, verb. Yeah. <laughs> I do a lot of LinkedIn-ing. Uh, and I met a, a guy named Josh Otero. And Josh and I worked uh, side by side for a long time on a few different projects. And at one point, we started up a startup together. And then um, we within that startup, we did a podcast. I was telling you how I helped host a podcast in the past. We were doing that and. One of the guests that we brought on, I don't know, I don't remember how they were connected. Oh, one of Josh's friends or one of Josh's colleagues knew this guy named Mike Anderson. And Mike Anderson is the physical trainer for Cloud9. They're like, this would be a great person for your your podcast. And I go, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm down to talk to the physical trainer for Cloud9. That'd be so cool. Because right, at this point, I hadn't really cracked into the industry. And um, we get Mike on the, on the podcast. Great, phenomenal conversation. If you guys have never seen Mike Anderson... A plus dude, love him. Um, and so we we have that podcast and a few, I don't know if it's a month later, two months later, whatever the time frame is, um, I get a call from, or I get a text from Mike and I get, then I get a call from him and his wife, uh, Kristen Anderson, and they're like, hey, Len, so we've decided that we're going to be starting this company focused around the health and wellness of eSport athletes. And uh, you, Mike was on your podcast and he really liked you. And we want to invite you to be part of the, the wow. team to start this company with us. And you will be the person heading the mental performance and the gaming side of things. Wow. And, and so they offered me that position out of the, like, how do you, how do you plan for something? How do you plan to do like, these how do you plan to meet this person that then starts this company that then does this you podcast yeah. and has this guest that then leads to this like you can't you can't plan that um and so they, they i had that conversation with them and we talked about it and i was unbelievably floored because there was that point that i realized that i now get to get connected with cloud nine because that was the yep. and for anybody that knows me i've always been a lifelong I think it was 2013 when Cloud9 was founded. I've been a Cloud9 ride or die fan. So this is like, how do I draw the luckiest straw <laughs> of all of them and actually get a then get to work with some of the teams that I like idolize? And um, I no word of a lie. I hung up with that phone and I just like wept. I was in tears because it was oh, like such a yeah. long grind, man. Like it was brutal. I I struggled really hard. So that was like such a key moment for me. Matt, that's, that's insane to hear that, man. That's, I mean, first of all, I'm sorry to see you're a Cloud9 fan, so that's just very sad for me. I'm just, you know, I'm kidding, of course. Wait, what fan are you? What, 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 what? I am, uh, for, sir, I do not claim, uh, out of journalistic integrity, I don't claim to have any bias for <laughs> 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 At least you said that, because if you said the wrong team, I was going to hang up podcast over. <laughs> I claim no, no fandom of any team, any organization, except for my own local ones here that I can privately, privately cheer for, like little, you know, if in the press box at a Rangers game or if you're in here in Dallas, you never cheer. So here I just kind of silently go, I just do like a little fist bump whenever something good happens, and that's it. That's the most of my fandom. I don't weep when I get the job offer, but but no, that that's good to hear. Like you you had 
this kind of grind you went through for for a good while it kind of you know obviously it's it's difficult to put into words what you felt throughout that grind and then to have this kind of moment where you 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 had it all validated right you kind mm-hmm. of it all came to fruition it kind of became a, a, a real thing for you i mean that sounds like it's that sounds like a fairy tale story man i'm gonna tell you that right off the bat it, it was truly something like i it was such a great moment and and it, one of the things i tell a lot of people that are one of the things that I've really taken um, or built a huge value myself is that when I was trying to get into the industry, I needed a mentor and I needed somebody to teach me. And there wasn't that person. Mm-hmm. I had colleagues and friends that we learned together, but I didn't have somebody that was like already in it and doing it. And so now I've, I've like vowed to always offer mentorship to those coming into the industry. And so one of the things that I tell a lot of the people that I, I mentor, I work with is you cannot lose that optimism and that hope when you're grinding it out mm. because I've seen so many people become miserable or hate the industry because of how hard it is. And if, and that, that kills your ability to get into the industry. Cause it's just, once you, once you don't like what you're trying to achieve, that achievement becomes, it's just not worth the pain anymore. Mm-hmm. And so don't lose that hope, that optimism that you'll make it cling on to something that like know what you want to achieve in the industry and then cling on to it. Cause that, that fire is the only thing that's going to keep you going for, for the long, the no, long haul. For sure. For sure. And so I, I honestly, I going back to the, to the mentorship thing. It's just like, I think it's such a new ish industry that it's, it's kind of hard to find a bona fide mentor in the scene. Like, you know, a few years ago, now you probably find a, little, a lot more people that are probably more willing to help out because oh, yeah. you know, there's people like you out there that kind of like, obviously pass it forward is, is kind of the main rule for, for myself too. Like I always say, like if you ask for help for anybody who, who is offering it, and they'll more than you know. They'll give you time of day, any any day of the week is what I'm, my whole kind of mantra has been because that's that's how I was raised. I'm assuming that's how you were raised, so it kind of works out that way as well. So obviously, you get the position with Fit Gamer. Yeah. Uh, day one, I'm assuming there's not really some kind of orientation. I'm assuming it's just like this is what's on the docket. What can you do to get it done? And what taught me through those, those first few months uh, working with Fit Gamer and what you did and how that kind of went about for you. <laughs> what was that experience like? startup world is a lot of learning is yeah. what is what i learned uh because it wasn't like this is your role and this is what you'll be doing it's you, we need you because you know gaming and you know sports psychology also I, my my secondary role was business development it's like i guess i'm learning biz dev <laughs> uh, which went great and so i learned a lot of things there and it is truly like a all hands on deck all the time. Like if there's, there's an issue, it's just, it's not designated to one person. It's like, who can help us fix this? It's like, yeah, okay. I can, I can probably figure out something here or this isn't me, but this person has it. And, um, it was, it was true to form all hands on deck chaos. But it's such a good way too. it's not, not chaos in a bad way, but like very rapidly trying to figure out how we're going to make this happen because we have the goal of what we want to achieve we have the product of what fit gamer is what we want that to be what we envision for the future um that existed but now it's like how do we carve the path to that and so there was a lot of a lot of learning a lot of like pitch deck building a lot of talking to investors or advisors Mm -hmm. a lot of um looking for partnerships a lot of stumbling a lot of success like it was just a whole bunch of everything and it was a whirlwind uh a lot of a lot of fun though like i now 
never trained for the startup world. Like I was didn't go to school for a product manager or anything <laughs> like that. But now I understand the process of like these are the things you need for a startup. This is how you pitch to investors. This is the kind of deck you have. These are the kind of hurdles that startups face. This is the kinds of things that you'll have to deal with or the chaos of it. It was it was a lot of fun and I I, tr- I truly love the startup world now. It's it's so much fun because when I came to the industry initially, I thought I'm going to go work as the mental performance guy for some big team. Mm-hmm. Sweet. I don't know if I could do that anymore. I, I love <laughs> I love the energy of the startup space. It's a lot of fun. The way I've heard. Oh, did that answer your question? Yeah, I don't yeah, even yeah. know. Okay. I mean, it pretty much is it's a startup. And so that's kind of like what your day to day responsibilities are. You, you kind of do a little bit of everything like everybody does in a startup. And so the way the best way I've heard a startup described to me is like it's like birthing and taking care of a baby because it has a bunch of needs, has a bunch of wants. There's a bunch of things you have to take care of. And sometimes you kind of have to scramble to, t- to get things done at some point point you'll hit a point where it kind of just it takes care of itself and it kind of just starts walking on its own and you kind of just sit back a little bit and then get back on the ground because you have to worry about what it's walking into it's the it's like that's a pretty dang good analogy for 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 a startup because that's that's, (laughs) i feel like everybody goes through those phases right we're just kind of like i don't know what's going on i have to read up on it i have to figure it out research i have to you know do a million other things at once to get this you know successful or at least this living living breathing startup going pretty much and so you've been in the position now for over a year uh yep. who, who have you worked with that was memorable or what's been like a memorable moment for you i mean obviously if you can't mention them, don't mention them but what's been memorable for you out of the out of the position you've been in uh, so much <laughs> holy moly um <clears throat> I'm trying to think what's the most I remember. All right. So this is this is me like me removing myself as figure and just talking about like Landon, the starstruck dude. Um, The first time that like we had Jack from Cloud9 on a call like that would blew me away. Mm. I was like, I never this is crazy to me. Uh, And I was I, I don't even think my team has heard me say this before so everybody up from fit game that's hearing me say this that first call i was drenched in sweat it was wow crazy i was so nervous it was so much fun <laughs> uh, so that was clearly one thing for sure but just the way like working with some of the cloud nine rosters has been truly fascinating um like whether the the ones that i have been working with is cloud nine white their valorant team mm-hmm. uh spitfire and hurricane and then we also i haven't been working with them yet but the the lcs team the academy team and, and whatnot we physically train them um but just the way that pros think is different it's it's mm-hmm. very fascinating and there's a few coaches actually all of the cloud nine coaching staff are incredibly brilliant minds uh it's a lot of fun I just had a call with one of them yesterday and we're, we, we were going through a book, like a, mm-hmm. a sports psychology book and just like hashing out the ideas and the concept within the book. It's like, man, this is so crazy being able to talk to a game coach on this level. Uh, and so it really caught me off guard with how, how no, I, sh- I shouldn't say caught me off guard, but it was, it's really rewarding uh, to have conversations rather than just teaching people stuff, actually have the conversations back and forth. With some of these coaches. And I think, Cloud9, one of the things that's really memorable to me is how well they've chosen some of their their coaching staff. Um, and that's not really one specific instance, but like just across past year, I've realized that their coaches are very, very brilliant. 
I mean, yeah, and that's becoming the, the norm as you see more esports organization and coaches kind of come up nowadays. Is they, they kind of have a more of a, I guess, like a, how to describe it? like a sports psychology focused kind of mentality when it yeah, comes to to gaming. So it's kind of it's weird to see you know that kind of uh, you know like the, the Bill Belichick mindset going into esports. I'm like, this is this is going to be an insane kind of weird crossover for me because I you know obviously I used to, I used to work at ESPN and so that's kind of like a weird thing to see nowadays is that that overlap between mentalities for because at the end of the day it drives it home that this is all competition this is all you know head to head facing facing off against other uh, organizations to prove you're better pretty much for, for entertainment yeah. you know it's for entertainment but but still it's super interesting that this is how it comes about and so obviously cool. I'm, uh, go ahead oh sorry go for it i didn't mean to cut no, you no off. that's you man it's all you <laughs> i was gonna say part of it for the esports and why i think it because it's a new industry right like esports what it's yeah. a decade old a little bit older or longer than that but like as we know um, it. yeah as we know it it's not old and to see coaches already at this point is mind-blowing because mm. it's not and i think this is because like esports we can what we call them in in fit gamers like cognitive athletes because a lot of what you're doing is based on your your current cognitive level so how fast can you process information how how effective can you take that information and make decisions from it how how speedy can your output be like everything about esports other than the fine micro movements of like you're clicking your fingers and whatnot it's all cognitive and so when you have coaches i think because esports is cognitive it's like innate for them to have to know like the the sports psychology side of things mm-hmm. because they need to know how to get their players to access the information that's in their brain. And so you have the coaches across the board, at least at cloud nine are just, I, I consider them like brilliant at doing that already. They, they, I'm just there to kind of like, listen, <laughs> they already know everything and it, it's awesome. Um, but yeah, I think that's probably it. Cause like esports is a cognitive industry. And so your coaches have to have to know a certain level of like sports psych or cognitive training to a certain degree. For sure. And we're, we're seeing, a rise in that position as well. Some kind of psychologist, uh, game or, or performance psychologist working oh, yeah. with esports organizations. That's that's been on the continual rise for the past five years. We've seen that increasingly uh, adopted by a lot of organizations nowadays. And so, obviously, I'm assuming Fit Gamer came first. Next, through I'm assuming through Fit Gamer or through the the, the, the vines, the networking, the LinkedIning, if you will, you kind of uh, got the opportunity to work with kind of uh, Keanu College as their esports instructor. Now, tell me. How did that come about to kind of become a, a local college uh, esports instructor, kind of leading the way for the their, their program? How did that come about? More RNG. So here, <laughs> I'll, I'll lay out the pathway on this one now. Um, when I first moved to Toronto to pursue esports, and again, I left Calgary because esports did not exist in Alberta as a whole back then. Mm-hmm. Like I, I tried so hard to make it happen, it just didn't happen. So I moved to Toronto. The first team local amateur small team i just vol- started volunteering work they were called sxd at the time um so i met up with their owner they were just like being sponsored by a local land center and him and i hit it off and we worked together side by side for a number of years at that point so i i helped their team we also him and i we started a couple startups ourselves which crashed and burned so um because we didn't understand the startup space too well at that point but we tried to to move forward together and um at one point in that journey his team started taking off and uh some people might if they followed the r16 side of things they might they might have heard it before it's called parabellum esports now they rebranded into it uh so they're going to vegas like this weekend yes it's this week they're going to vegas this weekend to compete to get into the pro league (laughs) 
Um, that's mind blowing. And so this is a small team. So he, his journey took him down uh, from SXD into the rebrand of Parabellum. And so he went that direction. I went Fit Gamer. Um, this past summer, he calls me up, and I'm I'm again in downtown Toronto at that point. He calls me up. He's like, "Hey, we our company we just got contracted to help build some curriculum for a program out in Alberta." Uh, one of the classes is about health, wellness, and performance in esports. He's like, "Can you help us out? Because that's that's your, that's your domain. That's your world, right?" It's like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, man. Of course, I'm going to help you out. Let me throw me the throw me the guidelines, and I'll build you this this specific course." And so I did that. Through that, I then get a call from the the faculty at Keanu College, and they're like, "Hey, um, would you come teach for us? Would you come teach this whole program?" And I go, "No, I'm not. I'm not coming to Fort McMurray." Uh, I tried to get it remote. They couldn't do remote. They needed in person. And then eventually we kind of came to the decision. Like they were willing to be flexible enough that I could have fit gamers, my first and foremost priority. And like, this would be around fit gamer, right? Like I have to go for business meetings or whatever it might be. So be it like, they just needed somebody. Cause I don't think anybody really wanted to come up to Fort McMurray. And so I agreed to it, came up to Fort McMurray. And now I'm the instructor here at Fort McMurray. And I'm trying to help get other like local projects up and off the ground just because I want to see esports thrive. But again, like if we take a look at that journey, I moved to Toronto, volunteered with this small local team called SXD. And because of that, I now teach in northern Alberta at a college. Like that is oh, man. how do you how do you <laughs> how do you plan that you don't like that's complete rng but that's what i mean and why i tell people is like you have to you have to build your network and your reputation because through all the people you meet and all the experience you gain something will happen yes um and and this is like that local team because chris and i the owner of sxd now parabellum became really really good friends and we went through a lot together when he got this opportunity, it got funneled into my lap, which then brought me to Keanu. Um, so again, that was something I didn't plan for, but it happened. No, and for that's, sure. That's kind of cool. For sure. It's so funny you mentioned that. It's like, I guess, small world, but we had on Ben Pfefferman, who is the uh, the owner yes. and CEO of, of Amuka <laughs> Esports, who yeah. owns Parabellum. So it's like, that's yeah. that's like small Canadian world, I guess, because everybody just is hopping on the same train. It's, 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 it's good to hear. Exactly the, <laughs> that's good to hear though. Like, I'm, I didn't, I didn't uh, you know, connect dots to something like wait, Parabellum. We've, we've had the CEO of Amuka on. He, he talked about Parabellum. He talked about there because I think it was R6. It must have been either the Paris or, or something earlier this year. There was some major the in Paris. Invitational, yeah. Yeah, it was something like that where Parabellum went crazy. They had a good like, yeah. uh, first or second round run. I was like, this is impressive. Like, it's impressive to, uh, to say the least. But it's awesome to see that it kind of helped you out as well to kind of make that connection early on while you were still doing that grind, I'm assuming. And it kind of came to fruition, yeah. you know, months later down the road after you'd already, I'm assuming, joined Fit Gamer at this point, right? Yeah. And that was the thing is like, because both Chris and I kind of when we when I we both entered the industry very similar times um, and he started with creating SXD. I started with trying to find volunteer positions with things and uh, just that that relationship that we built over the years. Like we've both gone in a little bit different directions because uh, SXD got acquired by Amuka. Amuka, they then rebranded to Parabellum and the rest is history. They're doing phenomenal stuff now. I went the fit gamer route, but because we were we worked together for so long and so tightly, like we just have a really good relationship. And um, he actually asked me. I was supposed to go down to Vegas for <laughs> the the uh, the tournament, but COVID restrictions. It no, wasn't possible, yep. which is unfortunate because that'd have been a blast. Um, but yeah, just just <clears> by <throat> knowing somebody and working and building those relationships with people, like opportunities kind of fall into your lap, and you never you never really know what's going to lead to what. For sure. And so obviously, uh, I don't think you ever p- 
posited yourself as an esports instructor for health health and wellness uh but no. i mean now you now, you're, now you are so uh, i mean so this course development how did you go about kind of formulating this curriculum that you're on right now obviously i'm not talking about the whole thing that the, the entirety of, the, of kiana is working on but what about the stuff that you're working on what do you hope uh, students to learn from the courses i'm assuming it's a lot of what we've already talked about but what are you what, what are these students looking to learn from you specifically yeah so i I mean, the the program that I teach isn't just health and wellness. It is like esport management at large. Yeah. It is, yeah. Um, the thing that I challenge my students most to is I I I do care about like the theory and the the understanding and like how the framework works, and I I make sure that they understand all those parts about esports. But I challenge them, or I try to challenge them to think about things differently. So when we have a we had a class discussion, classes are over now. We just ended for the semester, but. Uh, a couple weeks ago, a month ago, maybe I don't mm -hmm. remember. We had this discussion about the the development scene in in esports, and I was like, "So if you were Cloud Nine, TSM, Evil Geniuses, and um, you're the GM, how do you fix the development issue in esports?" And then they all give me the answer, a very standard kind of answer of, "Well, if I'm the GM, then we're gonna we're gonna build up the the." tier system so that we have like tier three tier four where you're funneling resources and you know, building that homegrown talent pushing it upwards and i go okay cool that's great good start but like let's let's think about this deeper these teams they have resources they have smart people in place right like depending on some gms are smarter than others but they have smart people in place do you think that they haven't thought about that yet? Do you think they just never considered building a tier four or a tier three or even lower or doing these things? Like, do you, do you feel like they haven't considered this or thought about this? And then they'll go, Oh, that's like, that's a good point. They probably have thought about it. So what's the reason why that's not happening? Let's take this deeper. Let's try and understand why we can't mobilize some of these ideas more, like what we can actually do about it. And so that's, that's my goal with them is I don't necessarily always have the answers, but I want them to think about the industry and ask questions that nobody else is doing that way. When they get positioned in a place where they have a question or a problem that they have to solve, they're not staying surface level, but they're actually asking a question a little bit deeper or they're digging a little bit further so that they can come up with a more creative solution. And that's, that's ultimately my goal is to change the way that they think and question the industry. For sure. Um, and it, it, yeah. I think in a fledgling industry like this, where everything is constantly changing, adaptability and versatility needs to be like the number one thing a lot of people have to learn early on. And especially yep. for students like at, at their age, right? Because I think they're like, I'm assuming like young 20 somethings kind of learning about the ways of the world. That's an important thing to learn about a, a fledgling industry is that things can change like on a dime. You just have to be ready for it and prepare to kind of problem solve and, and, and have some critical thinking skills that you will need moving forward in an industry like this. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. And like, I can teach you what the business structure of an esport organization is right now, but in five years from now, that structure is going to be completely different. Mm -hmm. So I need to teach you how to figure that stuff out, not tell you what that stuff is. Uh, and so we do, we do stuff like every single day we have, um like a new a deep dive into news uh actually they now listen to your your Oy. one minute esport things every single day nice that's <laughs> uh, all work. the reason being <laughs> is i want them to understand the changes and the trends within the industry so that they can predict what's coming next right like i don't want mm -hmm. them to to be um kind of subjected to the changes and the ebbs and flows of the industry i want them to be able to kind of like 
think about what might come next because this just happened that way if they can predict what's coming in a year from now they can kind of position their skill set or their knowledge or whatever it is to to work towards that so um we do like deep dives on news we talk about what's happening in the industry what that not just what happened in the industry but what that means for the industry um so we do stuff like that as well Interesting. So obviously you work a lot with these students and it's a, it's a pretty small town up in Fort Mac. So I'm assuming uh, has the community been kind of polarizing in the response to an esports program? Have you seen kind of the students and their families kind of like, you know, this is this is, this is a good thing. It's a great thing that we're seeing here. And what, what has the general response been from the faculty, the community and students at large? I haven't heard a single negative thing yet, which is interesting <laughs> to me. Maybe that's just because I am the instructor and people don't want to badmouth my profession. <laughs> that could be it. Um, the, the, the worst thing that people say is that they just don't understand it. And then you just get to have a fun conversation about teaching somebody new about esports. And I, that's a lot of fun. And um, like the school itself is extraordinarily supportive of esports. They threw all the resources they needed to at mm -hmm. to make this happen. So like they brought me out from Ontario. They brought the head esports coach out from Ontario. Um, and conveniently enough, we just both happened to lease an apartment in the same building. So we get to hang out all the time and play games and stuff. So that's kind of <laughs> cool. But um, like they, they brought out people that have already been doing the esports thing. They're put building a facility. They bought all the tech and everything. So uh, the school itself and the ecosystem here, it's very supportive of making sure esports happens. And so it's really cool. It's not like uh, this is a new trend. So let's hop on on the train and just kind of like let it be it's actually like this is this is what's happening how do we make sure that we're at the forefront in alberta um unfortunately there's some natural limitations that come along with that being so far north and mm -hmm. so remote ping is sometimes an issue here and there but we have really good internet so it's not too bad actually um but there are some natural barriers because of our our location uh but outside of that like everything that you could hope for is here it's it's wonderful it's really really nice awesome and so i'm, I'm assuming uh your students learn learn a lot from you and learn a lot about you based on your prior experiences how valuable has that been for for you kind of you you were on that grind for a good long while you, you managed to have find an opportunity or several that kind of helped you along the way that yeah. that, that that experience how valuable is it for your not just for you but your students now yeah, I I think that like having real world experience, I reference work that I've done or like situations all the time in my class. And esports is an industry that when you talk about it theoretically, like it does, it's it's not something you can talk about theoretically. You actually have to like experience it to know what it's like. Like, um, and so I think it it helps my students understand what the industry is actually like because I I know what the industry the insides are like. Uh, and so it's easier to relate or tell stories or create analogies or build hypothetical problems uh, that are more realistic and aren't just like, you know, like fake or made up or anything like that. And so I think it does a lot of work. And then you kind of remove that like ivory tower component as well, where it's just like a researcher that's been doing work, but never actually worked in the industry itself. Um, there's nothing that I, I wouldn't say more useless, but it just doesn't help people understand the actual real world application or mm -hmm. the practical setting of what esports is actually like. So um, it's a lot. I love, I love it, man. Like I didn't realize I was going to like teaching as much as I do, but it, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> it's definitely a lot of fun. Well, mostly because you're, you're, you were a master's student at one point. It kind of helped out. That, that kind of helped out a little bit too. Just kind of uh, that, that schooling mentality of 
kind of explaining something to uh, to either like you know, a master's board or a doctor's board or whatever. It kind of helps out to kind of figure out what exactly you're talking about first and then relating it to a bunch of 20-somethings. That's a little bit easier than to some master's yeah, students. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely true. It's definitely true, yeah. But, I mean, uh, you, you pretty much, I'm assuming you love the teaching. You love Fit Gamer. So, what's next for you? What, what, what's the next plan? What's the next step for you? I, I know you mentioned earlier that you were thinking about uh, a head of a performance for one team, but now you're kind of walking that back. So, what's next for you? Are you, are you can keep going on this path and see where it leads you because you've already made the connections or are you just going to wait and see what comes your way? Well, I, I'm in love with Fit Gamer, so I'm going <laughs> to stay on board for as long as humanly possible. Um, what's next? I would love to see Fit Gamer accomplish in school because we're still just over a year, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we're not super old by any means, but I want to see. Um, I, I don't know if we talked about this yet in terms of what Fit Gamers do because we're not okay. just necessarily training teams, we're building technology that yeah. helps make my kind of work or the physical side of things accessible to the average gamer. Um, I want to see that get into the hands of pretty much every school system in North America, just so that we can start seeing kind of like the, how I explained in the beginning, I have two prongs within my career, one being the elite side of things, but also one, the other side being like changing the way the next generation of gamers approaches. And so the next stage or like the next big goal is to see schools adopt this so that we can change the way that uh, the next generation of gamer approaches gaming on mass, like have just yeah. a, rather than working one on one with people actually have like a profound impact on the way the industry in North America approaches or starts their gaming career. For sure. And that's something that I think a lot of students will be happy to see. A lot of parents might be hesitant to, to approach and a lot of teachers will probably be like, finally, somebody can babysit my kids. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing is I think this addresses at least one, one of the hopes for me personally is that this helps address what parents are concerned about. Because when you when you dive into what parents are concerned about in these words, it's like the rotting the brain, the rotting the body, you know, all those kinds of things. And if we can if we can remove that barrier by showing like physical and mental training so like increasing both mental and physical health that might be a reduction to the barrier for a lot of parents and parents are actually now on board because they know that by doing gaming they're actually getting um their their bodies are getting healthier and more fit and their mind is getting sharper like because they have these components so i'm hoping that maybe it's actually the parents the parents that get on board because of this kind of stuff. At least that's one of my goals. That's a good goal to have. That's a great goal to have. So Landon, uh, if people have more questions, they want to know what you're up to. They want to know what fit gamers up to, uh, throw some social media handles at us. Where can we find you? Where can we get in touch with you and all that jazz? Yeah, for sure. So pretty much on every social media platform nowadays, um, <laughs> if you want to find me on Twitter, it's at vertex psych. So V E R T E X P S Y C. So vertex psych. That's my personal one. Um, my Instagram is just my name, Landon Grobenko. Uh, LinkedIn, also my name. <laughs> uh, <laughs> shocker. Uh, if you want to get in touch or see what Fit Gamer is up to, uh, the handle is just FITGMR, uh, pretty much across all platforms. Uh, website is fitgamer.gg. So you can also check us out there and get in contact with us or get in contact with me personally. And like I said earlier on, I'm a big believer in making sure that we help the next wave of, of gamers. So if you do have questions or you want to just have a conversation with me, um, shoot me a message and I'm going to hop on a, on a call with you without a doubt and answer any questions or whatever it might be. Um, so feel free to get in touch with me at any point or connect with me on any of those platforms. So before, and, oh, I guess yeah, I should I should also mention that if you want to see the tech that we're putting out, 
Um, it's available on both Apple and, and Apple and Android right now. Uh, and you just search FITGMR on either Play Store or whatever Apple has. I'm not an Apple user. Uh, <laughs> uh, the App Store, you know, nobody the App Store, yeah, the generic. <laughs> name. Um, you can find it there, and you can start getting access to like if you're interested mostly in like I want to start working out more. How do I do it? We got some sweet content in there. If you want to hear me ramble at a camera for eight to ten minutes. I'm on there as well. Uh, but then ultimately there's the, um, uh, you can track a lot of your, your, your metrics essentially. So you can see how you're doing over, over any period of day and what the probability or the likelihood will be that you're having a good day based on certain factors. Um, and then on top of that, this is kind of a, a self plug, I suppose for, oh, yeah, for yeah. the app is within schools. Cause one of our ultimate goals is to make sure that school systems pick this up. So the next gen, sorry to keep on repeating about. So the next gen starts kind of change the way they, they game. We've incorporated a coaches dashboard so that coaches can see like the stats and the changes and the metrics of their players. So like what's their sleep schedule? Like how's their brain going to be impacted by that sleep? What's their nutrition, their physical, their mental, like, and, um, it's a, it's a way for coaches at high school or collegiate levels to kind of see how their players are doing from a holistic sense. For sure. So somebody has been reviewing the deck. Huh? I see that now. You've been reviewing the uh, the old uh, Fit Gamer deck, looking over the, the little talking points there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. So, so before we sign off, I just wanted to say that, like, he is not afraid to reach out to you either, because this is how this man met me. He just sent me a DM on Twitter saying, hey, uh, would you mind talking about something really quick, something? And I, I, he needed my help with something. And I was like, you know what? I'll make time out of my busy schedule to do it. No, 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 no. I'm not busy at all. Not that busy. That's just say that but i had to bribe him yeah he, he pretty much <laughs> he, he said like, i'll send you some maple syrup we'll, we'll, we'll get it settled right away and i'm like you know what i i gotta get some of that sweet canadian honey so we'll make it work oh yeah so i we got we hopped on a call we he's a great talk and i was like you know what there's an opportunity here to talk to somebody who who's on like the, the lower kind of local levels of esports right at the forefront of the next generation of kids coming up let's bring him on let's talk to him about what he's doing what he's up to so uh thank you for coming on man i appreciate all the time you gave us uh insightful answers i i insightful journey and i just can't thank you enough for coming on the show yeah no i appreciate it so much especially like with what you just mentioned i i'm definitely not scared that's one of the things i learned too is like you just gotta you just gotta ask yeah. people <laughs> uh and um what you taught me and, and this is kind of a, like yeah, you mentioned earlier that you're always willing to mentor or help people in yeah. the industry and i really appreciate that you took the time to talk to me about like podcast equipment and what it takes to actually get good audio and good video and uh, i'm tremendously appreciative of your your time yeah for sure and so i mean obviously everybody's a mentor to everybody here in the industry so just reach out and, and see what they say because you know what the worst they'll say is no or i don't have the time right now but you know usually uh you'll, you'll find somebody who will take the time who will you know even if it's 10 minutes five minutes whatever they'll they'll take the time so people like landon Definitely. people like myself always here to help out so landon again thank you for coming on the show man i appreciate your time you bet. Thank you so much. He is Landon Gorbenko, head of mental performance and gaming, and then some at Fit Gamer. Also, the esports instructor over at Keanu College, coming on the Esports Network podcast. And I am, of course, your host, Kevin Correa. Yeah.